Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a Closer Look True Crime Podcast, or welcome if you are new. Today, we have another unsolved case. This case is incredibly well-known. It is the case of the Beaumont children. These children vanished basically into thin air, and this is an international case. It took place in Australia, and I feel like if you are into true crime, You have probably heard of this before or you will hear of it somewhere down the line because it is just so well known. But without further ado, let's get right into today's case. Jim and Nancy, the children's parents, met in 1955. Their first child was born in 1956 and was named Jane. A second child named Arna in 1958 and their third child, Grant, in 1961. On January 26, 1966, the three kids were on their way to Glen Oak Beach, which is in the suburb city of Adelaide in the state of South Australia. Glen Oak Beach is quite a tourist attraction, but it is also very popular with locals. The children were familiar with this area, and at the time, many, many people sent their children to the beach by themselves. It was not a rare occurrence, and this was not the first time the kids had done it before. In fact, they visited Glen Oak Beach alone the previous day. It was super hot outside because Australia's seasons are opposite of the Canada and the US. So they went to the beach, they were going to go swimming, they were going to go play around, and it was going to be a great time. Between 8.45 and 10 a.m., they left for the beach. Their mom, Nancy, gave them just enough money to get on the bus and make it to the beach and also to buy themselves some lunch. It was only a five-minute bus ride and it was really no big deal. They did it all the time and Jane, their oldest daughter, was very, very responsible and trustworthy so the parents were very, very comfortable with her taking her siblings out. Nancy told them what bus to catch home so they would be home by two at the latest, and during this time, she was going to go visit a friend, and their father, Jim, was at work. And by the time the kids were expected to be home, their mom would be home, and their dad would be home around 3 p.m. 2 p.m. rolled around, and the kids still weren't back. Nancy was worried, but she figured they could have missed the bus, and they would be home soon on a different bus. Jim decided to go down to the beach and look for them himself, because at 3 p.m., they still weren't home. They also searched the surrounding area, neighbors' houses, and roads going to their house in case they decided to walk, but there was no sign of the children. By 5 p.m., they contacted police and filed a missing persons report. Back in the 60s, missing persons reports were really hard to file. You usually had to wait 72 hours, which don't let anyone tell you that. That is completely untrue. You want to report it as soon as possible. But since this was three children, and this was very out of character... The police jumped on this right away and searched the beach within the hour. This became the largest search in South Australian history, actually, so they were doing a very thorough job to try to find these kids. By the next morning, the entire country was aware of their disappearance and their names and their faces were on posters all over the country. It was on TV. This case was super well known, even within the first 24 hours. Everyone had seen these children's faces. Everyone had known what happened and they were all looking for someone who might have had information that could lead to the finding of these children. One woman came forward and told police that she had seen and spoke with the kids the following morning at Pato Malonga Boat Haven. They figured the kids 
maybe drowned in the marina. And so on January 29th, they drained the marina and they found absolutely nothing. The kids had a total of 17 items on them at the time of their disappearance, so if they had drowned, they would have found something. Another witness said that she saw the kids around 11 playing in the sprinklers on this grassy area by the beach. She also said she saw a man who appeared to be in his late 30s just watching the kids, and as time passed, he began to interact with them. Someone else also said that they saw this man helping the kids put their shorts back on, and they also saw them waiting for him outside the dressing room while he was getting changed. She didn't think anything of this because the kids seemed completely comfortable with this man. Nancy and Jim thought this was very weird because Jane was quite shy and didn't like talking to strangers or interacting with strangers. Another witness also spotted the children buying pastries and a meat pie at the bakery, and the baker that worked there said the children claimed the meat pie was for the man they were with and the pastries were for them. So the last known sighting of the children was around 11 a.m. After that, they really had no leads to work with or any idea where the children could be until a woman came forward and claimed that she saw a man that fit the description of the possible abductor walking into a house near hers with three children that matched the description of the Beaumont children. She believed this house was abandoned and nobody was currently living in it. I don't know why she didn't report this sooner because someone taking kids into an abandoned house is a pretty big red flag. This case was very, very well known over Australia, like I said, because it was just such a safe area and these things were not regular occurrences. People really trusted that their kids were safe going out on their own. A parapsychologist was also brought in to help with the investigation, and parapsychology is the study of alleged psychic phenomena and other paranormal claims, for example, those related to near-death experience, synchronicity, operational experiences, etc. And they are kind of like a psychic, which is not taken very seriously in the scientific field, especially not in the 60s. But this man, who was the parapsychologist, was known for using his abilities in missing persons cases. And sometimes he was completely off and totally wrong, but sometimes he was totally right and was able to help. Because they didn't have answers or any leads to follow, the Beaumont family basically said, what the heck, it's worth a try. If it means possibly finding our children, then we're not going to disregard it. He did end up having a vision of where the children were. He identified a warehouse near the home where he believes the kids were buried under. It was under construction at the time, and he believed that they could have been buried underneath the concrete and the construction while it was being built. He specifically said that the remains were in an old brick kiln. The owners of this warehouse didn't really want to tear it apart just because some parapsychologists said that they were buried under there, but eventually they caved and let police do their investigation of the warehouse. It cost $40,000 to demolish the warehouse, and they ended up finding absolutely nothing. Two years later, Jim and Nancy received letters in the mail supposedly written by Jane in the man. This man claimed he was keeping the kids and confessed to taking them. The return address for these letters was over 400 miles from Adelaide, where the children were abducted. The letter from Jane said that their life was pretty good with the man, and at the time, these letters were 
thought to be true by police because they used handwriting comparisons of Jane before she went missing, and it matched up pretty well. The letter from the man said that he was raising the children and was their guardian, but he would be willing to give them back if the parents met him at a certain meeting spot and a specific time. Jim and Nancy did end up doing this. They hired a detective to follow them out there, and they waited a really, really long time, but nobody showed up. Shortly after, they received another letter from the man, and he said he decided to keep the kids because Jim and Nancy betrayed his trust by bringing a private detective along with them. Obviously, the Beaumonts were super upset, didn't even know if these letters were real or if it was some sort of sick joke. And in 1992, new forensic examinations of the letters were able to verify that they were not true and they were a hoax using fingerprint technology, which is super duper upsetting to the Beaumonts. Even though there isn't much to work with in this case, there is quite a few suspects, so I thought I would be going over some of the main ones that I felt were most relevant. First is Bebin Ivan. He had committed murder and before being sentenced to life in prison on the murder charge, he allegedly bragged about kidnapping the children and he also bragged about performing surgeries and experiments on them. People started noticing his resemblance to the police sketches as well. Apparently, investigators thought he was a reliable source because why else would he lie about this? There was also a lot of information to argue against this theory. He was a lot younger than the suspect was estimated to be at the time, and Bevan only ever killed grown men over the age of, like, 15-16. Never children or girls, so it was quite out there for him. I know that sounds crazy to say. These reasons seemed pretty weak to me, though. I think that he definitely could have done it. In 2007, police were examining news footage of the case from way back in the 60s, and in one of the videos, there was a man who looked like Bebin creepily watching the bodies being looked for because photography and videography wasn't nearly as good as it is now. They cannot prove that it was Bebin in the footage. Another suspect was James O'Neill. In the early 70s, he was put in jail for murdering a young boy and had bragged about abducting the Beaumont children as well. But he hasn't actually ever been to Adelaide, so obviously he couldn't have committed the crime. Next is Derek Percy. A news article in 1967 suggested Derek could have been the abductor. He was in prison until his death in 2013 after being found not guilty for reason of insanity in the 1969 murder of Yvonne Tui. They thought maybe he could have been involved with the Beaumont case as well, but it was ultimately determined it wasn't possible as he was 17 at the time and the suspect was said to be in his late 30s. Then there was Harry Phipps. He lived very close to the beach and the bakery where the children were last seen and had two children of his own. Harry's son Hayden remembers his dad talking to and bringing three children into their house and he did hear gunshots as they approached the house but his father was a big gun enthusiast and he figured that this was just normal. He also said that his father was very violent and scary towards a lot of people Another thing that Hayden remembered is that a couple days later, his dad loaded surfboard covers onto the bed of his truck and drove off. Since Hayden was only around 15 at the time, he thought the kids had just walked off on their own and their dad was 
simply just bringing surfboard covers to a friend. A man named David also came forward and said that a man who looked like Harry paid him to dig a hole as a weekend job to make a little extra money. He wanted him to dig it near this factory, and apparently it was big enough to fit three children in. Police dug up where this hole supposedly was and found absolutely nothing, but recently they discovered that they were digging in the completely wrong location. However, Harry never became a suspect because he didn't match the abductor's description, which is interesting because a lot of people think that he is guilty, yet he doesn't really match the sketch, and the sketch could be completely wrong, or he could have been like in some sort of disguise, so I don't think that this should have been disregarded so quickly. Years after Harry died, his wife let police search the house, and when they were going through the basement, they found a white clutch purse with an uncanny resemblance to the one Jane was carrying when she was abducted. When the police asked Harry's wife about the purse, she said she bought it and it was just hers. The police then asked, why was it just thrown in the darkness of the basement if you just bought it? And that is when his wife got really mad and asked them to leave. As I mentioned earlier, they were digging in the wrong spot and have recently decided to excavate the entire site where the hole was allegedly dug by Dave and his friend. It took nine hours and nothing related to the Beaumont children was found. This case remains unsolved, and as for Jim and Nancy, Jim is still in his 90s, I believe, and I think that Nancy died in 2019, and I feel so terrible that Jim and Nancy have spent their entire adult life looking for their children. I feel like lots of these suspects are really convincing, and it could have been one of them, but I honestly have no idea, no theory, or anything like that of what could have happened in this case. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it for you all, and I hope to see you next Monday for another episode of a Closer Look True Crime Podcast.